0: If you're like me, you love and miss that golden era of Christian music. From the Jesus music of the '70s, the monster vocalists of the '80s, and the creativity and risk taking of the '90s and early 2000s, I'm Andy Chrisman, and for the past four decades, I was privileged to be smack dab in the middle of this crazy and beautiful thing that we call CCM. As a member of the group for him, I got to know so many great people with even greater stories, and I don't want to keep these stories to myself. That's why I created One Degree of Andy, so you can join me as I reminisce with my friends and colleagues. My Is that as you experience these conversations, you'll go back and listen to that golden era of music and fall in love all over again, just like I have. This is the One Degree of Andy podcast. My next guest might be the most respected musician in the history of Christian music. Getting his start in the 60s with his band Glass Harp and opening for bands like Yes and the Kinks. My goodness, Phil Kagey has an impressive resume. But his gentle nature and compelling story parallel his music and career. And it was just a pleasure to spend an hour with Phil. And I know you're going to love getting to hear from him. Now, if you're new to the podcast, I want to tell you about what you get when you become a premium subscriber. Not only do you help offset the cost of putting these episodes together, but you'll also get exclusive videos, early access to every episode, and premium-only content. So just follow the link in the episode description and join Annie from North Carolina, Mike from Scottsdale, Arizona, Debbie in New Jersey, just to name a few of our newest premium subscribers. Man, thank you all for your generosity. Now, Here's my conversation with the legend himself, Phil Kagey. I just want to tell you it's an honor to sit here and have this conversation with you we've we we've never really sat down and talked before. we've run across each other here and there in our history of of Christian music uh, but I'm just fascinated by your story i I am excited to hear what you have to say today and and what we may talk about so. Welcome to the One Degree of Andy podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Andy. Wow, thank you. It's just an honor sharing this table with you right here. Good to be with you too. Yeah, I was looking forward to
1: our conversation.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, the history that you have in music just goes back to, I mean, as I read your bio and and read stuff about you online, that I didn't even realize until I did a little extra research for today's podcast is that. I mean, you shared the stage with some legendary acts like, like, yes. And, um, I mean, you, I mean, we, we can talk about that, but I mean, what, what was it about what you were able to do as a young man, learning to play guitar, learning an instrument, figuring out your life in music that, that made you want to do this for a living? Well, I suppose, uh, as I started out, I started, Playing guitar.
1: I got my first guitar when I was ten. I a little Sears silvertone A nineteen dollar special my dad got me for my tenth birthday. Although I asked for a set of drums, I think because he likes guitar. His yeah. dad was a guitar player. He used to just play, you know, Hank Williams stuff and country music and stuff like that. Um and then my oldest second oldest brother, Dave, uh, loved music. He was a, a, you could say he was in a sense an audiophile back in the fifties. Yeah. He collected uh, not only uh, classical music, but he he collected, um, you know, uh, Ink Spots, The Platters, Everly Brothers. You know, uh, when Elvis came out, he brought Elvis home to our home. Mm. And and that's where I first saw the 45 RPMs of those hit songs in the 50s. And so I just loved music. It just gave me a certain feeling, you know. And uh, uh, when I got into school, uh, music was still in my head, in my heart. Uh, I mean, I would dream about music. And then, uh, when I was in the fifth grade, my brother Dave bought me my first electric guitar.
0: Oh, so you went straight to electric? uh,
1: From acoustic to electric. Oh, okay, okay. The acoustic was difficult to play because the strings were high, the neck was quite wide. Yeah. And uh, and as you can tell, I'm a little guy. And uh, so when he got me this three-quarter size electric, one pickup guitar, uh, I just went wild with it, you know. And I started learning as much so as were I were you could. naturally
0: gifted on string instruments? I mean, um, I feel like it's an aptitude. Yeah, yeah, I think that, so. That you're kind of born with, huh?
1: I, I think so. You know, I, uh, I've, I've played, uh, you know, from the guitar, the classical acoustic still string electric, um, to mandolin, to uh, chumbas, which is a Turkish yeah. instrument I've played on, on uh, some of my recordings, uh, with music tellers, and with uh, Jeff Johnson, wow. who's a, a a collaborator yeah we've worked on many we're on
0: our fifth album uh-huh. together right now and uh yeah because my daughter my daughter <clears> just <throat> picks up a stringed instrument uh-huh. and she has it in like a week yeah she figures it out me i'm not yeah. i don't know i just it's it's a it's like a foreign language to me and i if i uh-huh. work hard enough uh-huh. i can get it but just i just see so many people in my life that mm-hmm. just they're just natural around yeah. instruments
1: no i i don't play you know like violins uh uh-huh. cello or violas Although my brother, Dave, who started me on my electric and gave me lessons, he actually ended up, uh, over the last 20 years building cellos and violins and violas. I mean, he's Uh just a remarkable guy and he passed away about a year and a half ago. So I, I truly miss him and I'm grateful to him for his influence and encouragement, you know? Uh, So yeah, going back to my youth, uh. Uh, I dream about guitar. I draw pictures of guitar in school and everything. <laughs> when I should have been doing my homework and learning my studies <laughs> yeah. and things. Uh, but I was a record collector from a very early age. And not just uh, pop and rock and roll and rockabilly, but I, I also loved Rogers and Hammerstein. You know? oh, yeah. I loved mm-hmm. all kinds of music. And then uh, I started getting in bands. And, you know, it was my first band when I was 13. And then I joined a band when I was in the 8th grade called the Squires. And then I joined another band called the New Edson Exit. And then I started my own band called the Glass Harp. And when I was in the 11th grade with my friend, John, John Safara, drummer and also guitar player. And, uh, and then we, we ended up being a three piece group. And it was in those days that I began to really, uh, excel more on the guitar. Uh, and then our group got signed to a major label, Decca Records, and, uh, And then we went on the road and opened up for like, yes, and traffic and iron butterfly and all these big groups of the day. How old were
0: you at that point?
1: Um, I was, uh, 19. Wow. Yeah. When we got signed to DECA, um, I was 20. when we played, opened up for the kinks at Carnegie hall and there's a live album from that today. Wow. Which is one of the, uh, really great recordings of the day. Yeah. And you know, this is 1970, 71, and, and, um, uh, so here we are, uh, in New York City, we recorded at the Electric Lady Studios, where Jimi Hendrix recorded, mm-hmm. um, his albums, and, uh, uh, and it's interesting, because I, I had a born-again experience, I, I was born again in February 1970, following, uh, the passing of my mom, mm. she was killed in a car accident, um, uh, and I just thought she was going to pull through, but she died of internal injuries. And it was my oldest sister, Mary Ellen, that invited me to church with her. And that's where I heard the gospel, clear as
0: a bell. Had you gone to church when uh-huh. you were a child? What, yeah. What was your church experience before that?
1: It was uh, I was raised Catholic, uh-huh. you know, and I believed in God. Uh, but so did Nic- Nicodemus. You know, yeah. He believed in God, but Jesus told him about the new birth. Yeah a rebirth of the Holy spirit, you know, and that's what happened to me. And it, it made, it gave me a new focus in my life. Uh, I was, I really feel I was born anew at a young age. And, uh, and my desire after that was to know more about God, mm-hmm. know the Bible and know Jesus personally, and then to share what I had learned with others and to share the good news through my music. Yeah. I wanted my music to be the medium, uh, through which I could share the gospel. So
0: you got saved after Glass Harp got signed? Or uh, was it before? Uh, no,
1: actually, right before. Okay. It's interesting because um, we had done uh, a demo album, and we had a different bass player at the very beginning. Uh, and I was 17 when we did this demo album. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because now it's online. Uh, it's called Where Did My World Come From? Interesting question. And so... Um, Uh, there was such a change in me, personality-wise, as well as musically, that happened between almost turning 18 and by the time I turned 19. I mean, a real transformation, a real growth Mm. musically. You know, I one time played uh, in Austria, and uh, there were just a handful of people showed up at the concert. And I said to the promoter, I said, uh, how come so few folks showed up, you know, it's a concert. He goes, Well, word is around here that if you're a Christian, you're not any good. Wow. You know. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Look at these look at the architecture here. <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of that stuff was yeah. built to glorify God. That's and, right. You know, but That's right. Um, and so yeah, uh me and my friend Lynn Nichols, who traveled with me on that tour, uh, we we still had a great time and had great response, you know, in Switzerland and Germany and those kind of places. But uh the thing, the thing was, uh, and I digress. I don't know why, but I, I, I just did, went into a little rabbit hole. <laughs> but uh, that's I, actually
0: I, what I love about these conversations. Just yeah. go,
1: go wherever you want. Okay. Well, um, so the, the the transformation that took place in my life
0: really affected me musically mm-hmm. too. And did you feel like a little bit fish out of water as well, just with uh-huh. the industry you're in and the the bands you were opening I think for? So. And All the people you're around?
1: Yeah, I think so. I I think you'd have to, yeah. I was really, uh, I I really wanted to just, I wanted to love people well and share the good news with them. And I would do that before or after a concert. And I prayed with many young people, my own age, you know, and see them, you know, just take a new direction in their life. And, uh, uh, the thing is, you know, as you get to know God, uh, he gives you a, a, a renewed mind he gives you a purpose to live he gives you a it's in a sense an, a mission to uh share the light you know yeah. share the good news share share life
0: well who did you have around you though i mean you, you mm-hmm. there's no way you can do that on your own i mean you you can't really be a mm. i don't i don't think mm-hmm. you can be just this this lone soldier in the darkness with a with a matchstick i feel like you mm. had to probably have people around you right that
1: everywhere i went i found people who believed uh-huh. and, and encouraged you encouraged and yeah. yeah yeah and and my bandmates were great friends to me too yeah. you know we were all raised catholic you know uh-huh. just i was the one that went off you know <laughs> got a little extreme <laughs> yeah uh, and uh, well, there's one in every band isn't there yeah there really is <laughs> uh but yeah and the thing is we're, we're great friends to this day. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And and after I left the group in seventy two, after our third studio album and one live album, um we then reconvened and played again through the eighties and nineties and two thousands you know, and uh we haven't done any concerts in a number of years, but uh uh but yeah I, I found fellowship, you know, when we went to California I met a lot of, you know, young musicians who had given their lives to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really exciting. And, uh, uh, in fact, one friend of mine, he was the MC for a, a club in San Diego, Don Absher. And and I shared the Lord with him. And it was just his moment. God just came wow. upon him and touched his heart, you know. And uh, he gave his life to the Lord. And uh, he, in turn, blessed me with a, a beautiful acoustic guitar that I used for 16 years after that. And, uh, you know, we... We recently just, uh, got together and had a, an interview telling his story oh, wow. about how it all happened. The band, we were down, down there. We did a whole West Coast up and up the coast, uh, tour opening up for, you know, big groups, big name groups and all these big venues like Winterland and Fillmore and Whiskey a go and all that stuff and the earth and San Diego. And that's where he lived in San Diego. Uh, and we were open up for the group called It's a Beautiful Day. They had a hit song called White Bird. And, uh, so it was pretty fun, you know, uh, and it was pretty remarkable. Uh, the people I met, I met, uh, uh, folks from the Calvary Chapel, you know, oh yeah, during that time. Uh-huh. In fact, my sister who helped me find the Lord, uh, 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 <laughs> she, she said, you've got to check out, you know, What's going on at Calvary Chapel? Well, she was an
0: actress, right?
1: Yeah, she was an actress. And
0: was she living in Southern California at the time?
1: She was living in Phoenix, uh, okay. but she would go out there and visit. You know, mm-hmm. she had a, a career over twenty years in movies and TV, and beautiful person inside and out. And uh, yeah, and that's when I I began to meet people. And uh, and you know I got to tell you, uh, the band Love Song had a huge impact on me mm. when I first got. I actually heard their music before their first album even came out, and uh, I was moved by their music and their harmonies, uh-huh. their ability to write Chuck Gerard yeah. G- genius. And Tommy Coombs and their harmonies, you know Tommy and Jay and Chuck and, and I thought, my goodness, you know, that's my dream someday. to just to be united with a, a group of guys or musicians that we could really be one in spirit too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so what was it, your
0: impetus? What was your impetus for leaving
1: the glass? harp?
0: Yeah. The glass harp and, and making your way into Christian music.
1: Well, actually, I, I still think that I made my way into Christian music, but there was no such thing as CCM. Back that's true. Days. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, the first glass harp album opens up with, can you see me? Huh. And where I just right out at the bridge, uh, or the chorus, whatever it is. For I know that it's hard to see all the things we want to be. Many things we cannot see is there. The sun died for you and me, that we may live eternally through him. There is a peace we can share. Yeah. And that was released, you know, uh,
0: probably about January seventy-one. You know, yeah. back then. And it seems like you could get away with that a little more uh-huh. back then. I mean, you think of the. The birds with turn, 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 mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, spirit in the sky. <laughs> spirit in the sky, yeah.
1: Um, or oral or, or happy day, uh-huh. you know, songs
0: like that. Right, right. You know,
1: and the thing is, people really respond to good news, uh-huh. just have to bring it to them. You know, everyone's hungry for joy, right? Love and happiness,
0: you know. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of searching going on in the late 60s, early 70s. People absolutely. Were, were looking for mm-hmm. significance and, Mm-hmm. you know that that was and that you know you can you can trace all that back to why there was such a explosion of the gospel i know during that era be and oh, we're <laughs> probably going to see it again hopefully i'm going to believe it's coming because yeah. people
1: really are searching for the truth and uh <laughs> the alternative is not very good yeah. you know if you want to eliminate god you want to eliminate what they call religion mm-hmm. you know eliminate the bible el- mm-hmm. eliminate the the gospel eliminate eliminate the, you know, uh, things that actually is God's truth revealed to us through the scriptures. I yeah. mean, uh, it, it it's not good. Yeah. I don't think the outcome is good. Uh,
0: well, we've seen it play out before. We know how it we yes, know we how have. it turns out. So yes, um, yes. but yeah. again, I, I digress. I now I'm digressing to um, get off subject just a little bit. But uh, let's go back to mm-hmm. let's go back to what so i mean glass harp was just it it made its impact mm-hmm. you you met incredible people on the road mm-hmm. is there someone that you still look back on and just go wow i can't believe i got to share the stage with this person or well, or get to hang out backstage with so and so
1: yeah yeah well in fact uh just last week we had dinner with peter frampton oh no worries. and 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 some other friends yeah in fact peter york was there too uh-huh um and and peter and i were we're reminiscing because glass harp opened up at least five or six times for humble pie mm-hmm. which was his band at the yeah. time and um and uh those days and uh and we talked about our, our journeys you know through music and and it was great to reminisce so peter frampton was one of those guitar players only a year older than i am i'm 72 he's i believe 73 and uh um and I was impressed by his ability. And he he and another guitar player who I share the stage with often was Joe Walsh. Oh wow. And James Gang. Yeah. Glass Harp and James Gang used to play the same club. And uh and I used to get to jam with Joe, you know, and uh and I thought Joe and Peter as electric guitar players who were people I actually met um and shared the stage with stage with, they influenced me to actually try to say something with my playing and not just play fast Hmm. i mean i had fast fingers but they weren't landing where they should yeah they weren't necessarily necessarily connecting engaging the mind not so much the heart yeah exactly and so i think that's why my my playing changed so much within a year and a half Hmm. but not only at the same time was i meeting these musicians and of course clapton and michael bloomfield and george harrison and guitar players who have great taste you know yeah influenced me as well during those days um and i always allowed myself to be influenced uh through the years Mm -hmm. you know by other musicians um so uh the the first glass harp album really has a a beautiful spirit about it it's it's a lovely album um and then uh, we did our albums and i left the group and i did my own first album called what a day actually 50 years ago this Oh wow! This How year about that I recorded wow. it in January 1973.
0: Wow! <clears throat> and um, what was the impetus? for you leaving? Like was there... I, I?
1: I really uh, I felt like I was in a sense raining on my bandmates' parade. You know, I, mm. I I felt like they really wanted to keep going in the world of rock and roll. You know, because uh, they were good at it. They were great, great players, and uh, and I. I just wanted to go more of an acoustic route. You know, I wanted to... I didn't want to be on the stage and make anyone else uncomfortable. So it's interesting. I I, I teamed up with a young fellow whose older brother introduced him to me, and that was Peter York. And Peter and I uh, would go to churches and colleges and uh, teen centers and hospitals and, you know, uh, universities. and And just play and sing you know yeah. we didn't even charge you know
0: we just uh-huh. wanted to do it make and did you available. feel like kind of like that your calling now was starting to meet your gift
1: uh, absolutely yeah. absolutely and i had so much fun it was so it was so joyful it was just we had a great time i mean he was still in high school and i was out of high school and, um and we had laughs we had you know we did devotions you know uh, uh then i got married uh in july of 73 and uh, and Bernadette and I moved into a little house just right down the road from Peter. And so, you know, it was quite convenient. Mm -hmm. uh, Um, and Peter, uh, you know, who became very successful in the world of business, you know, in terms of the record company. Yeah. Uh, he worked for Sparrow and, uh, but he was, you know, a great guitar player for his age and he had a beautiful voice too, and he harmonized. and So that was great. Uh, Oh, I wanted to mention the day that I really gave my life to the Lord. Uh, I went home and I listened over and over again to a blind faith song called In the Presence of the Lord that uh, Eric Clapton had written. You know, I have finally found a place to live, you know, in the presence of
0: the wow, Lord. Oh, interesting.
1: And, and, and I just wanted to hear that because it was my kind of music. Yeah. But it was mentioning the Lord. And, you know, back in 1970, there wasn't a lot of that going on. Yeah. But then uh, we came to discover uh, uh, the various musicians. You know, I, I came to know Larry Norman and Randy Stonehill. In fact, I met both those guys uh, at a Glass Harp show where we all played together in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, yeah, so I did my first solo album in January 73. And uh, my engineer, uh, it was just he and I, because I did all the vocals. Uh-huh. All the musical instruments on it, and uh, he gave his life to the Lord too. Oh, that wow! Experience. Um, so I was still in. Uh, I was uh, just out of the band glass harp, and uh, one of the managers of of the glass harp still took a great interest in my music, and he, he went to try to shop it around, and he actually went to a Christian record company, and they turned down. What a day!
0: Oh, wow. said, it's just not. Yeah.
1: They didn't use the word wheelhouse in those which days. Which one
0: was it? <laughs> which, which label was it?
1: It was Myrrh.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Who
1: eventually I got signed to in the late 80s. Uh, but this is 1973. And they uh, said, no, it's not our kind of music. And
0: Were they a division of word at that point? Mm hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Yeah. But, uh, but then Scott Ross uh, of the Scott Ross show. He took an interest and he loved the album and put it out on his little custom label called New mm-hmm. Song. And, uh, and then eventually we got some distribution. And, but, you know, the thing is that little album uh, touched a lot of lives. It really did. And uh, I, I, if I listen to it, uh, I feel a little emotional because it's, uh, in a sense, so innocent and had no agenda. I just had these songs and I put my heart and soul into it musically mm-hmm. as well as vocally. Uh-huh. And uh, and I've gotten so many, you know, letters in the day, you know, uh, people whose lives were really touched by that album. And so um, a, a cool thing is happening. My friend Tom Galata has got a, a three CD set coming out within a month of what a day, the remastered album, and then, alternate mixes yeah and then demos oh wow of because of, i used to record to uh uh you know reel to reel mm-hmm. sound on sound recorder mm-hmm. in those days i had been into tape recorder since i was in the sixth grade so and so today i i engineer my own stuff you wow. know for the most part
0: that's really cool
1: and so i mean it's just been a, a a life full of music and uh so the What a day project is really special you know the it's 50 years old this year and and you know, it's interesting because Love Song, they heard that album and their guitarist, Bob Wall, in 1973, just a month after uh, Vernon and I got married, uh, they uh, contacted me and asked if I could tour with them. So I ended up going on the road with Love Song. Wow, incredible.
0: Them. Was that your first kind of Christian tour that you went on?
1: It was, in terms of a, <clears throat> a full band. You yeah. Know? <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it was. It was. Um, uh,
0: so what was that? What was experience. that like? Going from playing all these rock shows and being in clubs, and and uh, and then now playing in churches and mm-hmm. and now all these basically colleges. Christian, yeah, colleges and Christian audiences showing up for what you're doing.
1: Well, you know the thing is, uh, even though we did play a lot of churches, we also played a lot of auditoriums, uh-huh. you know, and colleges, and there were a lot of people coming uh, to hear this group. They heard so much about, you know, or word of mouth or someone would say, hey, come on, you got to hear this group. And I think my presence in the group brought a little extra freedom, Uh a little more of a rock edge, you know, uh, because that's what I came out of, you know. But, uh, yeah, it was a privilege, and we're still great friends to this day. In fact, that album, uh, uh, Fearless Love, uh, there, uh, Tommy Coombs had a lot to do with the production of that album and so uh and we remain very very close friends today so um it was a great experience And then um a couple of years later i was invited to play on a couple in you know, a second chapter of axe albums oh wow in the volume of the book and mm-hmm. roar of love and we did a live album in 77 called how the west was Won.
0: yes love that and, record
1: yeah just mm-hmm. great moments yeah you know and, uh, so yes, I made a lot of great friends and Randy Stonehill, for instance, who I just spoke to yesterday, uh, we're going to do a concert together. On- I've
0: seen him out doing a lot of things yeah. lately. Yeah. He's, he's really- doing a lot
1: more than I am uh-huh. concert-wise. Yeah. And we're playing, uh, up in Chicago, uh, October
0: 7th. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I'm, I'm going to change subjects here just oh, for a second. Okay. Uh, but we've got to talk about your finger. Okay, <laughs> I know. Yeah, because I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, watching you and listening to you talk, and I, I mean, I'm like, there it is. There's the, there's the missing finger. There it is. And oh, one or there of the great. Not. No, there it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the great guitar players of all time only oh. has nine fingers. And I remember that's one of the first things I learned about you. You know that that was a, that was just like, can you believe it? Can you believe? You know, like I can't do that with ten. He can do it with nine. Mm -hmm. so i gotta have i gotta have the story
1: okay i will um i was about four or five uh years old i think i was four but uh i could have been five uh we lived on a farm in hubbard ohio and uh i was down there by the barn and there was a water pump i went to get a drink water because i always you know we did you know we were thirsty we just Mm -hmm. and i climbed up on it with my knees i was going to you know, what do you call that thing?
0: The pump. The, the pump. Uh, yeah, yeah, the pump. Uh-huh.
1: And then I was gonna scoop the water with my right mm-hmm. hand, and the whole thing went down the shaft. Oh wow! And and the faucet caught my hand there. There was a like a a, a perimeter a concrete. Uh, yeah. Perimeter,
0: and that's where. I can imagine it, the force. It was yeah. quite. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Did it yeah.
0: did it trap your whole hand or was it just the finger?
1: Uh, mainly just that finger and uh which is, I was very fortunate, you know. Yeah. Uh, I remember looking at it
0: and saying it, you know, it was right. So my dad lost his finger Did he? when he was in his, oh, he was probably in his in his late 50s, early 60s. And he says, uh, he remembered feeling no pain. Like yeah, I don't no, remember the pain. Like there was no pain until he got to the hospital, and then, yeah. you know, once they started working on it.
1: But you know, like I was so young, and... I have the memory of my dad r- rushing to rescue me. Uh-huh. And I remember the ride in the car. I remember the shirt he wore, a red plaid shirt. Yeah. I remember the ether coming down on my face when they went to put me out, wow.
0: to operate on me. Yeah.
1: And they tried to save the finger and it and it didn't.
0: Okay, we got to ask you this. I know it's a little morbid, but this is the way my mind works. So It's okay. Where was the finger? Did it fall all the way down in the well? No, it-, it was
1: still attached that- by a
0: little little bit of skin. Oh, wow. And, but it was,
1: Ooh. but it was down here.
0: Yeah. Because uh, going back to my dad, they, yeah, he he was. I won't go into the details of how he lost it, but he was working on a project, and and I mean they rushed him straight to the hospital, but his finger was still at the site where he lost it. My goodness. And so somebody found it and brought it to the hospital like thirty minutes later. Oh. tried trying to put it on ice and like the it, same kind of thing. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't. you just like, no, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to go through all that. Just I know. Just Leave it off.
1: <laughs> well you know and and I think, and then in school without a, without that finger, I was always self conscious sure. I was you know and kids can be cruel, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they or they point or they yeah. you know whatever, uh, and always raised my left hand, yeah. I remember that, yeah, I was so conscious of it, you know, I pledge allegiance like this, I don't know, mm. but then it was you know one of the healing things that happened to me is uh you know, and it's insignificant compared to what some people go through, oh sure. Oh my goodness, it's so insignificant, like veterans and what they've gone mm-hmm. through, you know, mm-hmm. uh, losing limbs. And that's why I support Tunnel to Towers. I, I just love that organization. But, uh, um, I, uh, once I became a, a, a Christian, it, it, everything was fine. And it's interesting because, uh, I was kind of self-conscious of it, even at 17, 18 years yeah. old, 19. I, at 19, I was, uh, a believer, and I just—it's all right, it's okay. Don't worry about it, and I quit worrying about it. Yeah, you know, it, and it definitely made you me.
0: unique too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, not to, mm-hmm. not to be a capitalist on that, but I, you know, I at some I, point you,
1: yeah, I did learn how to play finger
0: style. So yeah, that's what's interesting too. Is it? I mean, I would think strumming would be okay, but yeah, be because you're you're so famously known as a, as you know, with the picking style. I mean that uh-huh. that had to be.
1: I've got my own little style, yeah. you know.
0: In fact, that
1: my my instrumental works, like acoustic sketches or Beyond Nature, uh-huh. um, you you, I, I really more or less developed, you know, a, uh, my own style. Yeah. And, uh I play with a pick, perhaps now about thirty percent of the time, mm-hmm. and most of the time, even on electric, I I can play with just my fingers, you know. And, um,
0: I okay. So I've got a random question. So, I mean, um. Uh, uh, lady Slippers. Mm. It's the title of one of your songs. Lights of Madrid. Yeah. Uh, where do you come up with, I mean, just because I've, I'm not an instrumentalist, you know, if I'm going to title a song, it's going to be part of the lyric, probably the song. How do you, like, you're just, are you writing a song and there's some Lady Slippers sitting there and you go, oh, that's what I'll call the song. Or yeah,
1: it, I don't know why. It just seems soft. It was a soft little thing with, with strings and yeah. it kind of reminded me of Something a little bit uh baroqueish uh-huh. you know uh or old English,
0: or you kind of get maybe a picture in your mind as you 're playing or
1: yeah sometimes. something like that, yeah, let me see this uh, acoustic sketches for instance, uh, like the first uh acoustic sketches album my and the first two for the most part, John schroeder, who uh was uh it was on his little label called Canis Major, he would title a lot of these instrumentals for me, but this one I titled everything barefoot Water Street, and there's there's a purpose to the titles. Like Water Street is related to Kent, Ohio, where I used to play with glass harp, and you know the the whole thing that happened in 1970, right? You know the shootings yeah. and all. Yeah,
0: Kent State. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: and uh, so the tune itself is kind of reminiscent of Ohio, the group. I mean, uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash song, and Young, and so it reminds me of that you know so i call it water street then there's six pence which is very british and then i have got a tune called Rhapsody city for george and people think is it george harrison i go yeah no george gershwin you know because because it there's something in the progression that i did that reminded me of a gershwin uh-huh. tune you know and uh and then there's one called sea biscuit because it's frolicking and it reminds me of a horse a great winning horse you know a, a and Sweet Nugget. And, uh, there's the last piece is called Ukulele. I'm playing a ukulele, and I called it Ukulele. Uh, Slap Happy, where i am doing a lot of slapping on uh-huh. it. Pocket Full of Memories, which is this pocket guitar, which is just a, a little neck. Yeah. I actually play that on, on a tune, and I, I did overdubs with it, too. Um, so, I mean, titling songs is a lot of fun. Like, on this, uh, this one right here, uh huh. Uh, yeah uh tony gerber uh he's one of the members of music tellers and uh this fun music Mm. the first tune is called bo to rio because it has this you know jamaican um bahamas kind
0: of calypso calypso thing Mm -hmm. you know
1: and then uh it's fun to come up with it's interesting to come up with titles for instrumentals you know
0: no that's what that's what i was kind of getting at it's like what is it yeah where where does where does that come from mm-hmm. i mean i think i know but
1: let's look at this one here pilgrimage this is the newest which project wonderful by the way i've oh, listened
0: to the last couple of days
1: oh thank you so yeah. much i gotta i gotta tell you i'm grateful for this album because my good friend kevin belmonte uh who's a book writer and an uh, a biographer of d.k chesterton lewis c.s lewis uh uh Uh, William Wilberforce. Well, he sent me uh, a couple of his poems last year, and I put it to music. You know, they were Christmas poems. And uh, then then I sent the music back to him with me singing and with music. And so he started sending some more to me, and I ended up putting 11 of his uh, poems to music. Uh, And then I invited some friends to join me, like Jeremy Casella and uh, Rex Schnelly. Uh, Rachel Wilhelm, and Steve Bell, Aaron Propp. and uh, so they uh, they helped me. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a beautiful thing when you have more than one voice on mm-hmm. an album. First. I agree. Yeah, you yeah. know. Oh, I know, you, yeah. That's where you were. <laughs> and so and I got Steve Brewster on drums. And, oh, nice. Uh, and uh, Avery Bright on uh, violin, Matt Nelson on cello, Jeff Taylor on accordion and penny whistle. And uh and it turned out to be a really lovely album. I'm very proud of it. And I think Kevin Belmonte's really gifted. He has he's a deep well of uh history and uh the lives of so many people that influenced us. Mm-hmm. From the Tolkien to Lewis to yeah, you know, William Wilberforce and G. K. Chesterton.
0: And I take it you're a reader.
1: I like to read, yeah.
0: Voracious like something. Not a voracious yeah. reader.
1: Uh, I, I used to read more, uh, my eyes get a little bit more fatigued at my age, and I had retina surgery. And, mm-hmm. But I used to read a lot more. Now I kind of piecemeal through everything.
0: Yeah. Well, I can tell that's probably one of the reasons, out of many, that you and Wes King, oh, I'm yeah. sure, are close and have a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah, Wes know.
1: is a ferocious reader, Yeah. I think. I, I, I'm i an average reader, but I am select about what I do read Yeah. and, and take into my mind and my heart. And, yeah. Um. I like things that enrich my life and teach me how to be a better person, teach me how to love better and uh, just, you know, more of the character of Jesus. Himself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, reading too opens you up to more voices and mm-hmm. different ways to say the same ideas. And, uh-huh. um, and that's one of the things as I coach worship leaders is like, mm. you know, I, I want you to read, I want you to read the classics, but I want you, I want you to read fiction. I want you to read, you know, get into some different narratives about how to express yourself, and yeah, and find ways to yeah to open up your mind to mm-hmm. uh, different ways of communication. I think that's what reading does more than you know watching a show or even listening to music, because you your your mind takes you to a whole more open place of of wonder and imagination. Yeah. and isn't that what we want as musicians? Right, we we're, we're always searching for mm. this for the uh, uh, undiscovered country right that mm-hmm. no one has done before even though it may seem familiar we can plant our flag to say that's uniquely us and mm-hmm. and we did this first mm-hmm. in this voice in this you know with this type of music and and you really have left your mark in not only in in uh, rock music but in in christian music i mean i, I mean obviously you're going to go down in history as one of the great guitar players of all time but oh for for the sake of what we're kind of doing here in um you know So many of our listeners are CCM fans. Mm -hmm. You made your mark in CCM, which I think is incredible because your style and the way you come at music is so different than what's typically on, and even back then in Christian music.
1: Yeah. I was always still the guitar player.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: Uh, I mean, I, I, I I love to sing, you know, and I wrote a lot of songs. I've written over a thousand songs. And, um, but I, I was a little too religious for the world and too worldly for the religious in terms of, <laughs> yeah. as my, as my musicianship, yeah. you know, was, for instance, like you know when Sparrow put out an album called Two Twenty, what did they know how to do with it? They didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know? Uh And yet it was uh, had such great musicians on it, you know, great players: Lynn Williams, Spencer Campbell, Patrick Leonard, and Bill Deaton, oh, wow. who produced it, wow. and uh, it just just a fabulous album. And then, uh, uh, I remember just a few years ago, I did an album with Tony Levin and Jerry Marotta called Bucket List. That's amazing. And, and those guys are top class Legendary, you know, yeah. King Crimson, mm-hmm. Peter Gabriel, and mm-hmm. it
0: goes on and on and on, you know, who they've been, what albums they've been on. Yeah. But I mean, what's amazing is that because, because Christian music, mm-hmm. in and of itself as an industry, relies on Christian radio. And at least it did in the day. I'm I'm sure it does now, Mm -hmm. uh, with with where Christian music is at. But especially back then, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna sell out concerts, if you're gonna have a successful tour, if you're gonna if you're gonna you know, if the the P and L is gonna work out in your favor, Mm -hmm. you've got to have yeah, you've got for you've got to have at Uh the label, you've got to have singles on the radio to move your product. Which you know you didn't have a ton of radio success. No, I didn't which just blows my mind even more that you had such longevity in the Christian music world.
1: I think I had a good work ethic and I liked, I I loved to play and, and I had a wonderful booking agent over the years, Holly Benyuski at street level. Yeah. And she kept me busy. And, uh, and then in 1987, I decided I don't want to be a guy who leaves home and family for a month at a time. So I just ended up from 87, you know, till the present where I just did weekends, you know, Uh now I'm pretty much three quarters retired from traveling. And, uh, even though I'm doing a few concerts, uh, this coming month, um, I just, uh, I just love to play. And I think, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. I was never that good of a formula writer, you know, uh, and I loved, a lot of different varieties of music mm-hmm. and half of my albums are instrumental anyway. And what do you do with that? You know, be back background music or something backdrop, you know, for the news. I don't know, but I, uh, I just keep doing what, what inspires me inside. And then when I think I'm done with a vocal album, all of a sudden something new will come out, you know, and I'm not doing it as often, although I have over 70 albums. It's a lot of wow. music over the years and uh um, and I just am grateful to those folks who over the years listened to my music and came to my concerts I'm really grateful for that uh and still today I still have a lot of people who support uh, I mentioned Tom Galata, who put together my band campsite called Keggy's Garage I mean there's loads of live concerts there mm-hmm. there's every album I've ever done is there and uh, just about
0: <laughs> yeah. What's <laughs> left? About. What's uh, what's left to accomplish for you? I mean, you you feel it feels like you've mm-hmm. done done it all, and then I know obviously you I've haven't. Done, but uh, is there anything left on your bucket list as a musician?
1: I, I just want to be open to new inspiration and collaboration with others. I really enjoy. Uh, I take a greater pleasure in actually uh, collaborating and co-writing with others. I enjoy that. I mean, I've done the solo thing for so many years and yeah. the looping and all that. And, you know, I actually, I just love doing studio work and embellishing and helping others make the music they want to make. Um, and so that's what I'm doing. Also, right now, the, my main priority for me and Bernadette is uh, being grandparents. We have three grandsons
0: you know, oh, congrats. that we
1: spend a great deal of time. How with. old are they? Uh, four two and a half and one and a half oh they're little little yeah, people yeah and and we have two of them uh twice a week occasionally three times a week so our, our daughter she can do her mm-hmm. her baking it wears business. you out doesn't it oh
0: yeah but in a good way oh yeah same just, i have i have five oh wow yeah and so well thank you and we're um what um, what are their ages so um my son has a six-year-old boy of uh-huh. uh, 3-year-old boy and a 2-year-old girl. And then our daughter has a 6-year-old boy and a 2-year-old boy.
1: Oh. Wow. So, so they cousins they get along uh, good. Oh,
0: they get along great, right? Great. We'll, you know, we'll say we'll, we'll we'll very bravely my wife and I Jackie we'll say, uh hey, huh. bring them over to the house for the day or let them spend the night. Yeah. And then man, I'm telling you by the time they're picking them up, we're I feel 80 years old just it's like I can't do this anymore my back hurts. But, oh, I know. <laughs> I know we do a lot of lifting. Yeah. But and, aren't grandkids just a gift from God? Totally. You Love know?
1: them so much. Oh, Love them so much. And then, are. and as they grow and they, I didn't know my grandfathers, either really? of
0: them. I didn't really either. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so to be able to be a grandfather mm-hmm. and, and, and these little kids, you know, little, as says to me, you've got peach fuzz under your hat, don't you? Pop?" <laughs> I go, yeah, I got peach fuzz. <laughs> in fact, My daughter Olivia said, uh, her four year old uh, (laughs) was, you know, they were meeting some friends. And he said, when I was a little boy, I lost my hand. (laughs) 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 But I got it back (laughs) because I told them the story of the water pump, you know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just want them to know that they are loved and they are appreciated and just to give them really. good guidance and, and our children are great parents. They're wonderful parents. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, uh, that that's what life is to us. You know, music is, it comes out of life, you know? And, um, uh, and now I'm, I'm, I've got my stuff set up in a different room so I can practice for these concerts coming up and I'm a little bit scared because I haven't done a full concert of my own music since last November. And, uh, Although I've been in the studio and I, you know, my facilities are there for the most part, but it's the memory, you know, of leave all the stuff I used to do on stage. And uh, now I have to just collect, recollect some of that and get a list of songs and just stick to it. Cause I used to be all over the map, you know, I'd yeah. to, someone would shout out, oh, Hey, play this, you know, I haven't heard that in a long time. I said, Okay, I'll give it a go. Wow. Well, and I get through most of it.
0: Yeah, I like going to a Springsteen concert. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, his were like three hours long. Yeah. I get through an hour and a half. I think that's pretty good. Actually, I'm doing a concert with Randy Stoney on the 7th of October and we'll do some songs together too. And so that's going to be fun. Uh, so that's, that's it. You know, um, God is good. Life is good. Uh, there's a lot to pray about these days. Pray for our nation. Pray that uh, the Lord Reaches down and just really uh, moves our hearts to, to look to Him, real concerned about our kids and our grandkids and the times we live in. Yeah, you know, it's it's for freedom that Christ set us free. There's a, there's a, there's a liberty, there's a joy in being free in the Lord and uh, and free to do good, free to be the best you can. And we're not talking about free love, but we're talking about being free to love. You know, not being bound by our you know our sins you know our sins god he took care of that christ took care of that for us we're free we're we're forgiven uh to me that's good news i don't i can't i have not seen news that can compete with that anywhere
0: Hey, thanks for listening. Join me every Monday for new stories from the Christian music industry and beyond. If you want more content like this, along with a lot of great music, join me for Worship with Andy Christman, airing on 500 stations around the world every weekend. And when you get a sec, run over to my website, andychristman.net, for information about my professional vocal coaching and an incredible new resource for worship pastors called The Worship Table. See you next time on the One Degree of Andy podcast.